0: So when I was in college, I used to um, go to the art library every day and just like pick a book off the shelves at random. And I had this idea that if I would look at enough art, it would somehow make me a, a better artist, which I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I thought. And one day I picked up a book about Joseph Cornell, the artist, and I, um, I just loved his work so much. And I became kind of obsessed with it. And I read a thing about a woman that he was in love with who had stolen some of his boxes and I remember thinking like, oh, that'd be a good movie idea. And it just kind of sat there in my head for about 20 years. And then one day I read a biography of Cornell that came out, you know, many years later. And there was a whole chapter about this episode. And so Joseph Cornell was a virgin his whole life. And he was a Christian scientist. So he kind of like was, you know, believed in asceticism, but he also had lust. Like, and I could relate to that kind of dichotomy or, or contradiction. And he was always falling in love with young women. And he was always giving them art because that's how he expressed love. And, you know, sometimes the women appreciated it, but often they didn't. Uh, They didn't, like, think it had any value or just threw it away or whatever. But, you know, it was incredible art that he was giving them. And he fell in love with this uh, coffee shop waitress named Joyce Hunter, who was, I think, like 19 at the time. And he was, like, 59. And he gave her a collage on Valentine's Day in 1962. And she realized it was worth money, so she sold it. And it started being really nice to him because, you know, she figured she could get more art that way, and she did. She kept giving her art. And then she went on a date with him. He'd never been on a date with anyone. And they had a kiss. And it was his, like, first kiss ever. And he was, like, completely in love with her. And then he found out one day that she was selling all the art that he was giving her, and, you know, his feelings were really hurt. So he stopped giving her art. And she broke into his garage with her boyfriend. She had a boyfriend at the time. And she stole 13 of his boxes. And the dealer, the art dealer that they went to to sell the boxes, contacted his dealer who contacted him. And he was like, are you, are you missing 13 boxes? Because there's this woman and this guy who seemed kind of sketchy who are trying to sell a bunch of your boxes. And how would they have 13 boxes? And he looked in the garage and he was like, oh yeah, they're, they're missing, yes. And so he was like, we got to tell the police because, you know, They have a meeting with this guy and they can, you know, get caught and we can get the boxes back. And Cornell was very ambivalent about it. He didn't want them to get in trouble, but he also wanted the boxes back. So he said, okay. And as soon as she got arrested, he completely regretted it. And And he paid for her and her boyfriend's bail. And he, like, got a lawyer to defend her. And he got the judge to dismiss the charges. And she was really appreciative that he did that. So they became friends for real after that. And he just started giving her money directly. Um, And then a few weeks later, her boyfriend was chasing her with a knife in Chelsea late at night, and she was screaming for help. And a policeman, you know, heard this and tried to stop the guy, and the guy lunged at him with the knife, and he shot the boyfriend dead. So her boyfriend is, you know, killed, and it's in the New York Times. And then two weeks later, she picks up this guy at a bar that she had met and takes him home, and the guy just comes out of an insane asylum, and he murders her. And Cornell is asked to identify the body, and he made a film about her, and he also made a lot of art about her. And she also had a daughter. She had like a a three-year-old daughter. And Cornell wanted to adopt the daughter, and he hired a private detective to uh, find the daughter, and the detective couldn't find her. And so it was just a mystery. What happened to Joyce's daughter? No one seemed to know. Certainly Deborah Solomon, who wrote the biography, didn't know. And I decided to make a film about it. And I, I wrote a script. And um, in looking up online, you know, information about Joyce Hunter, there was a, a website called uh, findagrave.com. And people would leave like little uh, notes, like virtual notes, like, uh, you know, oh, poor thing, hope she's in heaven with the angels or whatever. And they would leave virtual flowers. And I left a note and I just wrote, does anyone know what happened to her daughter, Sharon. And it took a year and a half, but eventually somebody answered and said, yeah, I know what happened to her. I'm her uncle. So I wrote to this guy and he told me her middle name, you know, her name was Sharon Hunter, but there's like thousands of Sharon Hunters, but he told me her middle name and using her middle name, I was able to track her down. And he told me that the last time he saw her, she was a prostitute and he was walking down the street at night and she accosted him for sex. And it was like her uncle. And, um, you know, it sounded bad. But I found her at like a housing project and I interviewed her. And she wasn't at all aware of what had happened. Like she wasn't aware about this whole Cornell thing. She didn't know who Cornell was. She knew that Cornell was going to adopt her. And what she didn't also know was that Cornell, you know, when he died was worth millions and she would have been a multi millionaire if he had found her. And her apartment was like covered in roaches. There was just roaches everywhere. And um, on the way out, there was a sign on the door that said, Thank you, Jesus, for all you have given me. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I can't even tell her like the whole story because it would be so painful to, to know what could have been just because of this detective's <laughs> incompetence. But anyway, I wanted to include this whole story about Sharon in the in the film. And it started becoming like a more complicated film that was not just about Cornell and Joyce, but also about the, the aftermath of that. But you know, I could never raise the money. And Sharon said to me, the only thing she wants is a gravestone for her mother because for some reason, Cornell didn't buy a gravestone. He just paid for the gravesite but didn't pay for the gravestone. I mean, he was very frugal, but still, uh, that was weird. And Sharon has a daughter and the three of us went to find Joyce's grave. You know, it's not marked, but we figured out where it was. And she said, just all I want is a gravestone for my mother. I was like, okay, I'll get you a gravestone for your mom. And I looked into it, it was like $1,500. But, you know, it's a little more than I can afford. And I just figured, you know, whenever I get the money for the film, I'll include a scene where we buy a gravestone and that will, that will cover the cost. Um, so I'm still trying to raise the money for that film. And I still hope to do that. And if I do, I will, I will buy a gravestone for Joyce Hunter.